you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. And I'm Amisha Cross. So we hope you enjoyed your July 4th weekend, got some barbecue, whatever you do to enjoy time with your family and enjoy what the reflection of July 4th, whatever that might be for you. But we want to talk about privilege because this country right now is out of control and you got a lot of folks that are feeling empowered. You finally have a president that says what you believe, a president that has gumption. He says that I'm a nationalist. He gets on TV and is not afraid to be racist. So you feel that applies to you. Well, guess what? You're not Donald Trump. So you better be careful because there's always consequences. There's free speech. That doesn't mean you don't have consequences. All free speech means is that the government can't get can't can't insert itself in your rights. But you know what? You want to you want to have free speech with somebody that doesn't agree with you. Uh, You want to be a contractor and and have a Confederate flag and actually have African-Americans be your clients. You're probably going to have a problem. We're going to talk about what free speech really means. And if you feel empowered right now and you have these beliefs and you feel like it's your right, this is your right. You believe in this. This is politics. This is what I feel. And you feel like you should be able to air all that out on social media. I want you to just listen to this real close. Uh, Social media is not private. And there's actually this middle school teacher that learned this about a year ago. She's a social studies teacher teaching our children about the importance of civic engagement. And that was her, that was her full-time job. But she had a part-time gig. On, in her part-time, she was, a, she was on social media. She had a podcast, a podcast not like this, a podcast that was dedicated to white supremacy. In her spare time, that's what she was doing. And she would say things like this. So many other researchers have already looked into this. And that's just the way it is. There are, there are races that have higher IQs than, than others. So look, she believes that uh, those who aren't white have lower IQs. And she used to be free to be able to espouse those beliefs. She espoused anti-Semitic beliefs. And she was caught. Because guess what? When you're on social media, it's not private. Listen to me. It's never <laughs> private. People are always listening. We're going to catch you. So... She's in social studies, and she said, well, hey, you weren't supposed to take it that way. I wasn't being racist. I'm not racist, which is always the defense, James and Amisha. How could you say that? My God, I'm not racist. I just said things like, I don't believe black people have high IQs. I'm not racist. I mean, that's not what I'm doing. All I'm doing is political satire. I was just clout chasing. I was just clout chasing. I was just trying to get people to follow me by saying racist things, but I'm not really (laughs) racist. I don't know. What's your take? Amisha, you go. I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting position to be in. At the end of the day, we all know that nothing said online or through any social media platform or media platform in general is said within a vacuum or is said in secret. So I think that it's very interesting that folks somehow still are confused by this. <laughs> but beyond that, this goes back historically very far. There was a pseudoscience back in the day that argued that black people's brains were smaller in, in, in a push to say that, you know, we're more built for um, labor work than we are doing things that are, you know, that require more of an education or more of a skill. And I think that when you hear a Caucasian individual say that today, 
um, to try to use that, especially one who's a teacher who is supposed to be developing young minds. There is a large bit of offense taken to it, but there's also a an understanding of the fact that this goes back a very long time in American history, the, the demonizing of African-Americans in general, but also the diminishing of our intellectual capacity. And I think that as we continue to see this, you know, there should be a, a rising of upset, but there also should be a pinpoint, not only to her, because we know, you know, we're thoughts like this come from, but also the fact that, moreover, she's in front of a classroom. This is where students learn. For you to believe that as a teacher means that you also react in that way towards your students. Yep. If you believe a black child cannot learn or doesn't have the ability to um, to develop that skill or is already far behind because they just are intellectually incapable, then you treat them as such. And I think that's the bigger issue. She's a social studies. She's teaching civic engagement. She says something that uh, when she when she was caught, she Amisha, she said, "Well, uh, one, I wasn't, I don't, I never inject my political beliefs into the classroom. It is not. I look at this, and this is really important for us to to call out. Well, you can't separate them. Like you cannot separate your personal belief from how you react to the. Public. It is not politics. This is." This yeah, is, this is she's not arguing over policy. You That's know? my like, point. She's saying, yeah, she's saying that certain people are worthy of some things and other people are not. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think this is something that like she she was caught. She was held to account for it um, in, in the in the way of losing her job. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that have these beliefs, you know, and the way confirmation bias works is that if you think that if you either taught that or just in the, the images you see, the way things are presented to you in the media and you think that going in, then your own your brain is going to pick up on things that would support it. And your brain is going to reject things that would not support it. And so this is something that is is almost part of the human condition and we have to try to root out it takes effort to try to understand and see that all men are created equal as our country was founded on that's not the easy way the, the hard the easy way excuse me is just to whatever makes you feel good you know it may make her feel good to think that she's inherently better than other people if she's clout chasing she's trying to find the people that want that feel good i want to <laughs> feel good because you know I'll, I'll tell people hey you're better i don't care you could be a failure you could be this you could be that and, but you know what you're better than those people just because and it's like, and who, apparently there are a lot of people who want that pat on the back that need to be told that no matter what your successes or really your failures in life are, you're better than those other guys. You're better than the, the black president of the United States, even if you flunked out in ninth grade. And so uh, apparently there's a big market for that, you know, well, and so. And, and, and the, the other problem with this is her, her defense is a typical. We used her, you know, because I think a lot of people have this response is that. She what she said is I'm not racist. I want to tell you right that was were her words. This wasn't racist. If this is not racist, I don't know what racism is. Like what do what do people think racism is? That's that that's really what it is. It, you know what racism is. <laughs> the real question is if if you don't think this is racism, then what possibly could be racism? Like like that's this is the definition of racism. And so, you know, own it. If you're going to be a racist, just say I'm a racist. That's, that's how I get down. Like, don't come out and tell us you're not a racist. That's ridiculous. Like, but I think we're in a culture that, that believes that racism is only done in action. Unless you're burning somebody's house down, unless you're burning a church, unless you're literally assaulting black people, they don't think that it's racist. They don't think that the thought process that goes into systematic racism is actually in and of itself racist. Yep. Nope. That's right. But what they need to understand is that those that justification that someone is lesser than you leads to those actions. You know, your your words become your actions, become your habits, so on and so forth. And yes, I agree with you. That's what they, they don't they don't they don't connect the two. 
But I just want them to know if there's anybody that happens to believe any of that or, or might be sympathetic to that middle school teacher, know this. If you let these actions go, if you don't call out racist activity, hateful activity, it grows, it festers. It's why it's important that the people that are on top of an organization that are on top of a country, what they articulate actually uh, empowers people to feel a certain way. So I want these people to know they may feel empowered now, but we need to make sure that they don't feel that powerful because we don't want hate to be welcome. We want to have conversations that are hard, certainly, but we don't want to make, make you feel it's okay that you have a belief that you are better than somebody because of the color of your skin. You're not. I'm sorry. Just, James, you said this before. There are a lot of smart people of all races. There are a lot of dumb people of all races. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. everybody's got all of that. Calm down. You're not that great. And you know, and you should know that there are consequences. So like there was this weekend as we celebrate July 4th, there's still people running around with Confederate flags. The people that lost the war, that tried to preserve slavery, you have people proudly doing that, but you know what? Well, no, hold on, hold on. You can't jump the fact that the people who left this country, you talk about anti-American, they said, peace, we're out. We don't want to be a part of this country anymore. Then they lost the war. Yes. They, 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 they said they were out. They, they didn't want to be a from part of this. That's correct. Yeah, they were not trying to be a part of this anymore. That's what that flag, that's how that flag was created and say, hey, you know what? United States, we're out. We don't, we don't like you guys. We're insurrectionists. We're done. And then they lost the war. So uh, you, can't, you can't skip over that because that, there's a big difference in that in terms of that's what the flag is. That's a fair point. But that flag was, we know, reinserted, brought back uh, after the war, after the Civil War, and after about 15 years of Reconstruction, just to bore you a little bit, uh, that was the period right after Lincoln was assassinated. And it was one of the greatest expansions of this country and actually for African-Americans. But there was a revolt. There was a pushback, just like there always is in this country, frankly, when there's advancement. And the flag, the Confederate flag, was re-embraced as a matter of pride and heritage for people in the South to make them feel, again, superior to other people. Uh, so we still got people that are running around that want to have this belief. But we had this, this contractor that met a black couple. And you might have saw this. You, you might have saw this. And they taped it all on video. And the contractor came up and wanted to do some work on their house. And they looked like, well, the problem, you got that, that flag. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He came a long way. But they said, I'm sorry, but you're not going to do any business here. He looked a little, he looked a little surprised and offended. But why do, these, why do people like this continue to be offended for what should be obvious that others will be offended by the flag? I don't know. What, what, what thoughts? Well, no, he's, he has every right to be offended. I mean, people can take things how they want to take them, but objectively, the Confederate flag exists as a statement against America. Objectively. Like, that's, not, that's why it exists. And, and when you adopt that and you ride around and then particularly it, it, to the preservation of slavery, to the preservation of black folks being chattel, you know, so if some you should understand that somebody would take advantage or, or excuse me, take offense to that. And that's really the surprise. Like you can be upset. You can say, hey, this is my political right to do this. I'm not going to get freedom of speech means I'm not going to get put in jail for rocking the flag of an enemy nation of my country. Could with that's what you're doing, but you won't get put in jail for that. But you could lose commercial opportunities for that. Freedom of speech doesn't mean you get without consequence. That means you get without legal consequence. Most speech, you know, like so. This guy, yeah, there was there was a business consequence. There was a commercial consequence. He showed up with a flag that of, of the enemy of America, and you know, the, the in support of enslaving a race of people and. 
one a person of that race said, Oh, well, I just won't do business with you. That's actually, that's, that's, that's free market at work. You know, like that's, that's, we like free markets, that's free markets, but that's still free speech because the police didn't show up and say, you got to go to jail. He seems surprised Mm -hmm. by it. He's like, well, I I just don't understand. He said, I'll I'll take it down. He said, nah, nah. He seems surprised. Well, everybody lives in their bubble apparently. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I don't know how you live in that much of a bubble, but. Well, I I think part of his surprise is that he's probably been able to do business with black families before and still wave this flag. I think I'm the only veteran person on on this call who actually grew up in the South. Um, At the end of the day, you are very used to seeing that flag flown on people's cars, seeing it on people's bumper stickers, seeing people wear it on their T-shirts, seeing it as incorporated in parts of state flags, seeing it flown outside of school, seeing it flown outside of um, city buildings and things like that. So you get used to whether you like it or not. I don't think that there's a black yeah. person alive who was cheering yeah. for that flag, but it is a part of Southern culture. And it is a part that has yet to be removed despite all African-Americans efforts against it. So I do think that to a certain extent, there are probably some black families who he has done work for. Meanwhile, probably. driving around with that thing on his truck. I mean, based on what you're saying, they might not even have noticed. Like they, it just, like, <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. But speaking about flags, so we have to talk about we have to talk about Nike. We have to talk about the original flag and, and the and the 13 original colonies. So this was a big workup, and it tends to it tends to get really really big in in uh, Arizona in particular. So you know, Nike, with the advice of Colin Kaepernick, decided to stop selling some shoes that actually displayed uh, the original flag and the 13, 13 colonies together there because uh, some of uh, we know recently, we know for a fact recently that the American Nazi party has made this part of their, uh, it's been their symbol. They've adopted it. It doesn't mean it's their symbol, but they have adopted it. And so some, some folks see when they see that they see American Nazism and Nike not wanting to take the chance just said, well, we're just going to pull the selling of these shoes. And so, who got who got upset? Well, some Republicans. We're not just talking Republican voters here. There are people to the far right. We're talking people like Ted Cruz, who said, quote, I guess Nike only wants to sell shoes to people that hate America. OK, that's interesting uh, use. And then the governor of Arizona, I forgot the governor's name. It's escaping me right now. But the governor of Arizona pulled a million dollars in funding because of the business business decision that Nike made. Now, whether you agree or not with Nike's decision, I think the reaction shows something in itself. It shows a level of privilege and entitlement there. That's my perspective. Uh, I would love to hear you guys' perspective. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, well, yeah, the, the the privilege in that it what stood out to me was more so the like this shoe was never sold. Like this shoe was something that was that was designed, and then they run it through their levels, their corporate levels, like they do with anything they release. And this one got turned down. Now it got turned down apparently based on some some information or some some co- uh, comments by Colin Kaepernick. So be it. But so it never got released. But when it by by it not getting released, and in in my view clearly somebody in nike was upset it didn't get released so they leak it because there's a million decisions made as far as things that don't get released that nobody ever finds out about so it gets it gets leaked that this didn't get released and it's red meat to certain people because they say oh well this this shoe that i never knew about that i didn't know was coming that no i never pre-ordered or i had no no right to like it never it, it was never something that was mine i am upset that you never allowed me to buy that now mind you a lot of the same people that are upset about this are the same people that were burning nike shoes when they associated <laughs> with kaepernick in the first place so yeah it, 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 maybe nike isn't looking to market to them because they've already said yeah we're out on nike so as you said a business decision hey well if we're out on 
people in, in that, in, in that particular, you know, thought process or mindset, let's make sure we don't anger people with this other thought process or, or mindset. And so you understand that with the business decision. Now, from my standpoint, I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but I understand why they would, would make the decision. Like, I mean, I think we're in big trouble if the original flag can get co-opted and, and that's just now going to be a sign of white supremacy. Like that's, that's rough. Like, it, looking at the original flag, looking at the current flag, there's atrocities that happen against minorities and against other people um, under both flags. You know, so if, if you're going to say, OK, I'm, I'm a part of this country and it's, it's flawed, but I want to try to make it better, which appears to be a lot of what protest is about, is I'm trying to make the country better, not just I'm out, I'm ejecting. Because if you're, if you're out, if you're just saying it's irredeemable, then then you're out, you know, like you you leave, you know, or, or whatever you do. So if you're, you're about trying to make things better, you're like the Confederate. <laughs> yeah, you're just, the the yeah. example's been set. <laughs> you adopt a new flag and take up arms. So whether you agree or disagree, Nike had a right to make the decision and people's reactions to, to where, again, they felt like they were entitled to this shoe that they never knew about. And it's like, how could you take this from me? And it's like, well, hold on, this was never yours. They make decisions on what to sell and not what not to sell all the time. And so that to me was really just stood out. Like, man, people are so upset about this, and they knew they knew nothing about it the day before, and they never it never went on sale or anything. It's like, man, like, that's that's entitlement. It's like, hey, anything that you thought of selling, I'm entitled to buy. Yeah, Misha. I would argue mo- most of America didn't even know what the Betsy Ross flag was. So there's that. Um, <laughs> most of America doesn't know a lot of things about America, though. <laughs> <laughs> Constitutional amendments. This was a new flag to a ton of people. <laughs> but beyond that. There were only 13 colonies? <laughs> I think that it's more so a reflection of people being upset about Kaepernick. I would argue that if this had have come out and Nike had just pulled it back on their own and Kaepernick hadn't have spoken out or hadn't said anything, we would have seen a definite different reaction. I think that there are a lot of people who are still, you know, butthurt over over Colin Kaepernick and over his advocacy and are going to push hard against anything he steps out and says. And they find it controversial. Amisha, you are overlooking the concept of opportunistic outrage. This is even if what you're saying, like from a, a truly what they feel standpoint was true. People see this as, oh, yeah, I can get people riled up with this. The American, the original American flag. I can say some crazy stuff about this and people will get riled up. But to our point, Kaepernick being who he is, well, that helps too. That, yeah. But this issue, anything with the Hold flag, on, ahead, the majority of these people who stepped out and made this and, and made a conversation about this had no idea what the original American flag looked like. You could show them four different flags. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't pick it out of a lineup. <laughs> They can pick Kaepernick out of a lineup. Like, I don't like that dude, though. I don't like that, but I can pick him out of a lineup. People literally, like, it was one of the most Google search things. Nobody knew what a Betsy Ross flag was. It was the most Google search thing on the day of. Wow. Wow, I mean. But it doesn't matter, though. Just the thought that now, and I agree with you, Kaepernick definitely is a multiplier there. But just the thought that Nike would think of making a shoe and then not make it. The shoe with a flag on it and then not make it because of any reason that's red meat to certain people who, who frame those things as in the context of loving America. Like if you love America, then you apparently want to buy shoes with the flag on them. I mean, that's, that's a we, we watch, we watch Gucci pull back on several items that had, what was it? The, um, the several items that were very much like Kevin Fashion, blackface, all of that. Um, we, we watched this occur. 
And at the end of the day, we've seen, you know, the, the Aunt Jemima things and all those things be pulled back by major labels as well. This is not necessarily new. The problem here, I think, more so is the context that we're seeing things in right now, you know, the racialized context of conversation in general. But beyond that, the fact that, and I I agree with you, this flag being co-opted by a group of um, nihilists to a certain extent and people who are are anti-Semitic is an entirely different issue. However, I don't necessarily think that that's a reason to, just because something got co-opted by a certain group and it's a part of our American history, I've find it very interesting that Nike decided to pull it in general. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, it's, it's not very a decision. Than, like the Confederate flag, which was created and then, you know, uh, we, utilized yeah. to harass and hurt people and all and of to that. And wasn't and all that. Yeah, exactly. That I, I, type of thing than this. This was I agree with you 100%. I, I think that, I think, I think it's a slippery slope on the other end, you know, on the, on the, 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 the Kaepernick side of that, where you're saying, well, hold on now. If you're going to say we're out on the original American flag, um, that's a bit, that's that's a, that's a slippery slope because again, if you're saying we're out on the American flag, original American flag because of slavery, well then what about brutality and, and you know, the, the mass incarceration that's happening under this current flag? Like, are you right. going to say you're out on that one too? Cause that <laughs> stuff is terrible too. So we, we know America is flawed. America was flawed. Then that's not the issue. We're not saying because America is flawed, we're out on it. The whole point is we're going to try to make it better. And we actually have a system that allows that if people participate and, and people want it, you know, if the, if the people want it, you can make things better. And so, and we've seen that, you know, we've seen that with civil rights movement. We've seen that, you know, throughout time where, you know, where the women's suffrage, where, where people can make a difference. So we take that as an opportunity, but just yeah. because America's flawed, I don't think we can start bailing on American symbols. Again, Confederate symbols. I was, ne- we were never down for that that's, in the first place. That's not American. Yeah. That's, that's un-American. That's, that's by definition un-American, but American symbols is like, hold on. Like those, those, are if we're going to be say hey america's flawed but we're gonna try to we're, we're down for it and we're gonna try to make it better then i don't think we should be bailing regardless if they, if they co-opted it we need to take it back well i agree and i think if you but and this 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 is an important conversation because our tribal nature this is everybody i think i know for sure i, I saw people that i respect take the position as if this flag only represented nazism and and very very intelligent people i mean extremely well read they were doing that because they were just, they were fanning the tribal, digital, the tribal nature of, you know, black folks of having that reaction that we have to the Confederate flag. I, I, and, I, and I would say I, I had that same reaction until I did my research. I tried to pull myself back from it. But I think it's important for us to make a couple links here. This right here actually was a decision by Nike, I think, to maybe even go to that little political correctness just so they can just stay out of the drama. And this is actually, that was accurate, but... What often happens, particularly, I'm going to criticize the right right now, is they, they combine that same argument for the Confederate flag, or just like we talked about earlier with the middle school teacher for her right to say racist things, like she's saying people are being politically correct. So we have to be careful not to actually fall for that trap, as you guys have said, and actually give them out give them arguments. But we also, you know, for just to add a little bit of controversy, just to throw it in there, um, there also has to be a recognition of Colin Kaepernick as an accidental activist. At the end of the day, I think that there is something to be said about someone who isn't necessarily the person who was always out front in terms of activism or advocacy when it came to uh, when it when it came to police brutality or any of the rest of these things. He came to it only after it was a full recognition that his football career was likely to be ending anyway. On top of that, no, no, I think no, that no, 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 we can't, we can't. I don't agree with that. He's, when he's not necessarily in the news as often, he finds a way to insert himself back. I'm sorry again. Like I said. For the sake of controversy, I'm just going to put it out there. 
I don't necessarily believe in Colin Kaepernick's advocacy on this front. Well, let me say this. The knee jerk piece, Rob, you know, where you say you see people that you respect that, that you know, uh, waded into here with with thoughts that you were like, oh, I don't necessarily think that's well thought out or whatever. Like you, the, the tribalism and just the picking sides aspect, it, it, it almost leads you to that in a knee jerk fashion. So like you see people attacking Nike and attacking Kaepernick, people and, and you generally would like to support Kaepernick. Then your initial mind goes to well, how yeah. can I defend this guy? You know, but. Oftentimes, people do have to take a step back, and you wish it was this would happen on both sides, and be like, okay, hold up, like, do I actually am I am I down for the point that's being made here? You know, and again, taking Nike out of it, Nike's trying to make Nike's trying to make money. They're trying to sell shoes. They're doing things that they think will help their bottom line, and their stock right. prices up in last year on the past year. So, they're whatever they're doing is working. You know, so so from the knee jerk standpoint, and in Kaepernick. A lot of times you get your activists where, you know, how you get them. I mean, Kaepernick may not have been, you know, someone who had been an activist his whole life. You know, he got, I don't think that his career was about to end. But at the same time, he decided to take a stand, which ultimately you have to acknowledge as being more than many people do. You know, and he took a stand at personal risk. And so you, you can credit for that. But that doesn't mean everything he says and does after that is right or is correct or is justified. Something He may overstep, you know, who knows? And so but if he does, it's not, I'm not out here attacking him. I'm just saying that, hey, in this case, I don't think that, you know, if I'm if I'm weighing this, I think that it comes down on the side of, yeah, it's it, it's messed up that this, you know, the American Nazi Party or whoever is trying to co-op this thing. And some people might think it's a head nod to them. But at the same time, you know, America was flawed then and america is flawed now we can't start throwing the all of the, the symbols of america out you know we start doing that i mean what's next we don't throw out the declaration of independence oh it, it was a lie you know all men were you know they didn't believe all men were created like we can make arguments to to, to hit eject on a lot of things if you're going to go based on the flaws you know but yes. we've always been a forward-looking nation in terms of the aspiration that the country stands for what it's trying to get there and then it's our job as citizens now just like it was the citizens 50 years ago you know dr king or whatever you know or 100 years ago to try to get us closer to that you know it's, it's not it's not a finished product it's, it's really not a finished product you know it's, it's, not, never, it's never gonna be a finished product. It's, it's never in fact we go it's not linear i'd say where we try to be forward thinking sometimes we take 10 steps back sometimes we take 20 steps back <laughs> sometimes it feels like 50 when you look at where we're at and uh, right now, this current climate that didn't start with this current president, I think it started with the prior president because people were like, what is going on? There's a man named Barack Hussein Obama that's president. This cannot be my United States of America. Whenever people feel like their identity is threatened uh, because of symbols or positions that they feel like is only there for certain people, white people in particular in this one, then they feel like, oh my God, we need to have take our country back. Everybody remembers that. Now, apparently, the, the trend is we can take fictional characters back. It's not enough to be upset about real things. We have people, people are upset about the little mermaid. There's a new actress. I believe her name is Howie Bailey. I kept selling her Howie Barry. I guess it's just a shortcut in my mind. Cause I know Howie Barry. I think, wow, but it's uh, an African-American young woman playing the little mermaid. And you had some people going nuts. You have people going so crazy that it, it was trending. You know, it's like a Google search, like, not my Ariel. People, Ariel is the name of the character on Little Mermaid. And then people went so far as to say, well, they, they use science to prove that Ariel can't be black. They use science to prove a fake character. It's fake. Character. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> people are out of their mind right now. People, I need you to bring it together. 
Listen. Because she's under the sea and she can't get any sunlight. So that means she was. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they, they said. Oh, yeah. Well, clearly, you know, like if Ariel's under the sea, then she won't get enough sunlight to keep her folate stores up. And that, like, the, the skin tone, like, it's, it's a big problem. No, I'm, I mean, seriously, though. Like, but you, you see this, though, in the language that's used. Not my Ariel. Well, you know what? It's not your Ariel. You know, like, this is a fictional character. This is entertainment. It can be. You know, whose Ariel it is is the director of that movie or the writer of that <laughs> movie. Like that's whose Ariel it is. Everybody else, you're just a consumer of the of the content if you choose to. Entertainment content is out there for everyone. It's not your Ariel, you know. So And this is a cartoon character. At the end of the day, I, and I was a huge Little Mermaid fan as a kid. I rock with Ariel and Sebastian and all the rest of the ocean crew. However, <laughs> um, I, I love that. All the rest of the ocean crew. <laughs> <laughs> we have to recognize that there are certain Disney characters that were based in a certain ethnicity because they played to the story. Pocahontas, for example, can't be anything other than Native American. <laughs> Mulan can't be anything other hey, than Asian. Hey, you get a good enough director, you know, so maybe they could, you know, who knows? Like that's, but that's, that's the human story though. Like I think that we would, I would want to see somebody try to push the limits like that, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Because, well, well, I mean, because it plays into their ethnic characters. The entire story plays into their ethnic characters. Hey, but Amisha. Story but for the Little Mermaid. She's no, there. no, Amisha. We're not creative types. So to us, yes, our rigid minds are like, oh, well, this has to be like this. But I'm telling you, a creative person could create a story about Mulan where she is, you know, like South American, you know, or something like that. Like, who knows? Like that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we shouldn't constrain the artists when they try to show us stuff that is new. You know, like that's what art is. It's supposed to open our mind up to different things and say things that we wouldn't have thought of. Like if you could think of it beforehand, then you're probably an artist, you know, like, but you know, I can't, you know, so, but I'm sorry, please go ahead. And the historical and factual points of reference when it comes to literal human beings that aren't, you know, fictional characters, Cleopatra, for instance, has always been cast by or in favor of a white <laughs> woman, regardless of the fact we know she's not. Um, it is a very interesting process to me that people are so upset over this. This is a child's movie, an animated animated movie turned adult movie. Most most actual adults aren't going to see this until unless they're taking small children with them anyway. Like, what is the big deal? No, people feel like it's theirs. That's, that's what the big deal is. They feel like it's theirs, and they have the, the it's the, what they think about it matters you know and it doesn't you know little, like said, little it, black kids have been watching fairy tales forever that have people in them that don't look like us period well, yeah, but, but, but we're a minority in a society so that's to be expected but I, I would say another example though would be the images used for like jesus you know like that that's something that would, Moses. yeah like moses yeah like you got we're not look, like historical accuracy and everything. Like it's a story. Like I, it, this is the thing. Like if Ariel was being chosen as Halle Bailey to exclude white folks, then I understand like say, purposely like, Hey, we got to make sure that we don't have a, a, a white girl in here doing this. Like if that was what was going on, then I would, I would understand the outrage. I say, yeah, like that's messed up. You know, like that. Cause I think that, things should be relatively fair. Like we should try, try to right. get things fairness. I don't want black folks to have an unfair advantage necessarily. You know, I just want to try that to get chill. Like, but you know, so, so if that's what was going on, then yes, then yeah, we should, we should be looking on, well, hold on. You know, how did you ever come to that? Is your, are you sitting in a room trying to figure out? And when you look at these right. historic examples, they were sitting in a room and saying, Hey, there's no way we could cast Cleopatra as a black woman. James, I want to, I want to challenge that point because I do think images matter. 
it does matter that someone sees someone like themselves in some of these positions. Sometimes white people don't have that problem. Like for 99% of the history of the world, everything has been presented from a Eurocentric point of view. That's just a fact. And it is, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold up, hold up. We got to stop you though. What? It's not 99% of the history of the world. Europe was Sorry. in, in the last five, 600 years. You know, like post, yeah, post dark ages. Thank you. Know, you. Right? Okay. Thank you. You're absolutely right. So it, recent memory for the time we can remember for the last 10 generations, it's been that way. And it's been presented that way since we've been more connected as a society overall. But that's not how the world actually is. I took a brown crayon and made Ariel brown for a very long time. So for me, <laughs> I'm excited today that she's actually reflected. And this is the reason why it was so important for people to see little kids have, have grown up at least to see an African-American at the highest position in the world to let them know that white supremacy is not real. That is something that was created as a social construct to make people feel lesser than. And the more we get to that, the more some people feel threatened by that, they have to be attached to a fake racial identity, because really, there's racism as a social construct. All of it's made up. We know that. But it tells us something about America when Not My Ariel was the number one hashtag on the 4th of July. Wow. <laughs> like, for all things we could be talking about celebrating our Independence Day, how far we've come as a nation, we're going back to the fact that white people need a so, white mermaid. <laughs> celebrating the day where the document that starts with all men are created equal. <laughs> that, that day. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, of course, that, that says a lot about America. But again, I mean, I, I, people are going to think what they're going to think. Like, you, you talk about, you know, the racism and, and white supremacy and social constructs. They're very effective, though. You know, like, they are. They are. Like, Lyndon Johnson has the, the famous quote, you know, like, the, the white man, what? I, I may, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, you can steal money from a white man, take it, put your hand in his pocket and take the money from him. As long as you're telling him he's better than the black man, you know, like this is stuff that has been, you know, it, it's, it's constructed because it's very effective to allow people with resources to turn people without resources against each other, you know? So and it's, it, again, it's very effective. So we shouldn't be surprised to see it, but we should push back, you know, and, and kind of particularly against, again, the privilege, you know, the, the, the mindset that I am entitled to this, you know, but again, you're just, you're just, you're, you're a consumer. You're on the outside here. Like you don't have to go see it. If you don't want to go see it, that's fine. That's your, that's your right. Hey, it's a market. Go, don't go see it if you don't support it. But at the same time, like it wasn't yours. It wasn't something that you created, you paid for, or you had any proprietary writing. It's just something you liked. So if it, if it's, you don't like it anymore and don't, don't support it anymore. Yeah. And when you have privilege, you know, you, you, it, it, can, it can violate other people's rights, including people that look like you. And we're going to get to this last part as we talk about privilege and how, the criminal justice system works in this nation. A horrible, horrible case that came out here about a, a kid that raped, raped a teenager, raped another teenager, filmed his raping of her, bragged to his friends about hashtag when the first time you have sex is rape. And then you have a judge come and say, well, you know, we don't want to be too hard on this kid because this kid comes from a good family. He was doing good in school. And it's outrageous on a lot of levels. And I want to get to you guys. Uh, but a couple things. One, there was an injustice done to this young woman, and, it, and it's interesting that he becomes the focus, not the woman. So it's not just we're talking male and white privilege together here, too. Second, uh, you know, that type of leniency would never get extended to any of us, uh, people of color, because, you know, people have different views. If you do something like that, 
you would not only get, get, get your accountability, you would get probably 10 times the accountability you probably should get. You know, we in this country still have a, have a, have, have a view of justice that is not blind, uh, that still factors in your race, still factors in your privilege. And it's something that we, we, we still have a lot of work to do to get to those ideals that we, we help these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that we have equal justice under the law. This case is something that shows, this is not, I wish it was a one-off, it's something that happens over and over and over and over again. It's the reason why we have all the inequalities within our system. I'll tell you this though, man, like for this one, it is, I think as a man, you know, like you, you did a black man. It's like, Oh, you know, I I know that a black guy would never get treated with that same, like extended that same benefit of the doubt or that desire to want to help this rapist, you know, like, but I think you have to stop initially at least to discuss the woman as you, as you did. But I think like that is like, cause the male privilege is actually, you know, like, just mind boggling from a harmful standpoint there, because this is similar to that Stanford case, you know, like a a few years ago where like the fact that someone was raped is like a side, it becomes just whether or not we should, this guy should be inconvenienced at all. And it's like, well, hold on. Like this guy raped a woman (laughs) and this one, he recorded it. He shared about it. Yeah. Bragged bragged about it and shared the recording. And it's like, well, well, what in the world? Like who cares if this guy has good, good test scores, you don't want this guy to pay for this, you know, later in life. Like he should pay for this later in life. Like this is the kind of stuff that we use the justice system to try to root out, to try to put people that put people away that do this kind of stuff. Like, so that he would, like, I can't even get to the, the, the racial aspect yet. You know, I, I, like to me, the fact that a woman gets raped and then our impartial arbiter of justice in, in this case, in the, in the case out in Stanford, they, they, like they're sitting there wondering, you know, oh, well, you know, like, what about the guy? You know, the guy like, does he really deserve to have his life turned upside down? Like, what are you talking about? You don't this, this guy it's got convicted of rape. And so, I mean, like I, that to me is just I mean, it, that has to change immediately. Like, that's just that's this. So I agree. I agree. Misha. The, the thing that I am most hopeful about here is that across party lines, people have showcased outrage at this. And I say that because in a case where that is clear cut, this guy not only penetrated a young woman who was inebriated and couldn't have given consent even if she wanted to, he filmed it. He shared it with people. Um, at the end of the day, I don't care whether you come from a, a, a single parent household, a two parent household or a straight A student, your crime is your crime. And if we compare this across the board, because we saw a judge literally say that this could diminish his college opportunity. And he's yes. with good test scores. So and should. this is a problem. I'm like, this is the consequence <laughs> of you raping somebody. Like, yes. period. But yes, if you go around raping people, people bad things happen to you. Like, we send. That's how, you know, that's how this whole thing works. But beyond that, there was a 15 year old, a kid who was younger than this, who actually shared photos that another teenage girl sent to him, nude photos. He shared those. This was a little black boy. And he wound up getting charges. Now he's a registered sex offender and he is doing time. Mm. There was no race. There was no, you know, sexual assault or anything involved whatsoever. He shared pictures he got from the girl. Mm. And still wound up getting that. Nobody cared about his family. Nobody cared about his grades. It wasn't even a question. This yeah. guy, you have a judge who is arguing to basically, you know, eradicate almost all faults. This is just, you know, a teenage mistake. This is a good kid. He was on his way. He's got good parents. Let's keep it moving. Not only do you forget about the girl, you totally eradicate the fact that he committed a very serious crime. And we don't just let rapists off because you know what happens when you do that? They live to rape somebody else. 
Well, I mean, and, and you tell everybody else that rape is okay. I mean, like there's supposed to be a deterrent aspect of this. And I mean, yeah, like society, like, I think we should all be able to agree that, that bad things should happen to you if you're out raping people. I mean, like that's, you would think. Not, yeah. It's, and so, I mean, I, I, and yeah, and, and, okay. So looking at the, the comparison, you know, uh, okay. You're looking at a, on one hand, if, if, if this was a black person or a Brown person, you know, that any minority that was, it was acute of this particularly minorities that are demonized more so in the media where you see the privilege here is the desire of the judge to try to find something that won't harm this guy too much. That concern is not there when you're dealing with an African-American youth or Hispanic youth. It's just like, look, you know, even when it should be like in this case, you would argue we all agree. It shouldn't be in this case. We're not looking for lenience. Yeah. This is something where a message. That 15 year old boy who shared, who's 15, who shared a picture that was given to him. That's a mistake that could easily be made. Should you pay for that mistake for the rest of your life? Is that equivalent to this? The answer is exactly. I mean, and yeah, that's that's the type of thing in, in a generation where everybody shares everything. People share their own, you know, pictures, you know, all the time. Like so that's not out of step with what the kids are doing nowadays. Now and you're and you're making an example of that person. And I mean, honestly, like the and, and that's the privilege. So people say they don't see the privilege. Well, you don't see the privilege when it's you that receives the privilege. You know, you have to actually look for it. You can't like it won't just hit you in the head when you're if it's if you're the one benefiting from it. You have to look for it. And, and if you look for it and you see uh, how is this person treated in this scenario versus how is another person in a similar scenario treated or even a less severe uh, situation treated. And that's the privilege, you know, like it's, it's and you see this on every level. You'll see this with police officers, you know, like that if they pull over, you know, a, a person who, who may be white. It, it, it's not all of them, you know, clearly, you know, like it, but there may be more desire to say, look, I don't want to take this guy. Like I, th- this guy looks like a nice guy. He's making a mistake. Let me just, you know, let's try to keep it moving. Let, let's, let's make this happen for this guy because you know, it's, I don't want to mess this guy's light up life up or make things inconvenient for him. And on the other hand, if, if it's somebody who he may not have that same level of compassion for, there's nothing that that first guy did to deserve that compassion relative to the second guy. And so that's a privilege. You get that without doing, Doing anything that makes you deserve it, and so and again, we live in a country I, that is so serious about judicial discretion, and that's their that's their plea. It is always that you know, well, it's the judge's decision. The judge can come to a point where you know they they do take in these intangibles or are supposed to take in certain mm-hmm. intangibles, irrespective to the crime. But it does not apply the same across the board. And in this case, I don't care whether you're black, white, or otherwise. You rape somebody, you should be able to face it. That yeah, time. your college you know, prospects should be messed up. You know, but like it you also be- tells us something else. Like, if you come from, a, if his argument is this kid comes from a good family, then woe is me if this kid came from a bad family. Then what would he be capable of doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's <laughs> uh, just crazy. It's just when you think about where we're at in this country. And uh, as we close, I want to think about July Fourth and Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass was invited in 1852. Just think about this for a moment to speak about July 4th and the importance of freedom in this country. People are in slavery. And he was invited by, I believe, a well-intentioned white person to uh, talk about the importance of July 4th. And he went there and he talked about how July 4th didn't have real meaning to a lot of people. And the contradiction of terms that we always struggle with in this country. Uh, He was not popular that night. I don't think a lot of people clapped. But that was the most American thing he could do to challenge America to live up to its ideals. And to tie that all in, there's, you know, Langston Hughes had a a poem who said, make America America again. 
America has never been America to me, but I swear America will be. Stay woke if you want to stay free. I'm Rob Richardson. And I'm James Keys. And I'm Amisha Cross. And we'll see you next time.